0: Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth-Davis and Ryan Copperud. Hey, it's the What If Podcast. What's happening, bruh? You know what, man? I'm very good today. (laughs) Yeah, why is that? I'm just very good today, man. That's tight. I I had a good day. Uh, It's been crazy, but you know what? Every time we get in the room and start jamming, I feel good. Tight. Look at that thing over there. Bruh. Bruh. Tell them who it
1: is. Ord in the basement sent us this beautiful custom-made sign of our logo to hang up in the studio.
0: Yeah, bro. We also, we got to thank so many listeners this week, man. What you got? Well, we also got a super, super phenomenal email uh, <laughs> oh, that yeah. gave me like, <laughs> I, I mean, like. <laughs> I was so happy about that. Oh my God. It was, it was one of, okay. So if y'all didn't know, if y'all, if y'all are new here, hi at whatifpodcast.com is our email address. We read and respond to I think so far we're 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 at it we're batting a hundred or batting a thousand. Well. <laughs> batting a hundred is bad Oof. for those of you that are familiar <laughs> with baseball.
1: I uh, respond to one out of every, every ten, ten emails. emails. No,
0: no, no. We're batting a thousand right now. I think we yes. responded to almost literally every email no, it's we've been gotten. All of them so far. Um so if you wanna hit us up, we'll 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 respond somehow. Facebook can go fuck itself though. I probably won't see your Facebook message. Yeah, we don't do Facebook messages. Also, guys. I gotta
1: figure out how to turn on the uh anybody can dm you thing on twitter oh yeah we need that ability for sure the the ones from people we don't follow keep hiding and then i don't see them until
0: later and then Uh i feel dumb because i respond to your your dm like a month later um yeah so email if you guys really want to get a hold of us hi what if podcast.com is the best way to do it. too old for the social media shit no doubt um but but we got one of the best emails we've ever gotten from uh from (laughs) rebecca and i'll just only say your first name. Um, but Rebecca told us that, uh, to her kids who she occasionally listen, uh, let's listen to the podcast. Not,
1: um... Careful, know your kid before you let them listen to our yeah, podcast. Yeah, and I'm and, sure Rebecca
0: does, but just yeah. in general, we are not the, the most kid friendly. We are not. Um, but but Rebecca said that in their family they refer to us as the sweary boys. And <laughs> I like I immediately went to like the Hardy Boys, like oh, I didn't even make that connection. That's solid. That was the that's yeah, part of why yeah. I think this is so delightful and hilarious, is like <laughs> like two brothers who like solve mysteries and it's like, yeah, we're like that, except we swear a lot. And we don't solve anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we just lie about shit constantly yeah, well. and uh, and have a blast doing it. But, yeah, Rebecca, seriously, she gave us uh, some props, too, in, in her. Uh, we're not just the sweary boys in a bad way. So uh, thank you so much for that message. It sincerely has, like, made my week, <laughs> if not my month. Um, outside of that, we got to thank everybody, too, who's been joining the Patreon. A uh, quick announcement for everybody. Uh, the Patreon... We're doing uh, a new episode outside of the episode you're listening to right now. Shout out Carson and Michelle and Matt and Amanda and Ashley. Yeah. The most um, recent patrons. For sure. Uh, so we're, we're doing a new episode every single week outside of the one you're listening to. And, and they're all going to get it. And if you go to <laughs> patreon.com slash what if you can get it too.
1: Damn, stop threatening our listeners, bro.
0: What do you mean? I'm just saying. They're going to get it and you could get it too. They're going to get it. They're going to catch this fade. What's up? What's up? Catch these dolphin hands. And then lastly, uh, Rob. Rob. <laughs> Rob. Uh, at your UFO guy. Just, Y-E-R UFO guy on Twitter. Just phenomenal work today, pal. Uh, Rob, Rob went through an experience no one should have to go through today, uh, which is watching... A significant portion of a DVD set. So just a quick backstory. Please
1: do. Uh, Rob is a listener of our show and many other podcasts and, and is in the process of developing his own podcast. And he he's sort of the, the resident Twitter podcast UFO expert. Uh, he is at your YER UFO guy on Twitter. And we, he, and uh, Sam from Not Alone podcast, shout and out I are, Not Alone, we're we're tweeting about the fact that's, that that uh, Rob has this six hour, six and a half hour long interview between David Ike and Credo Mutwa, who it's too long,
0: <laughs> it's too much.
1: We we referenced the in our Moon episode. Was that just last week? Yep.
0: It was <laughs> <You> Okay there. <laughs> yeah, was, dude, you got me like right. You asked me a question like on
1: yeah. on sip. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh <laughs> Rob was talking about Credo Muwa who told a story uh apparently or allegedly a Zulu legend of how the moon got to be in our in our sky and it involved a hollow egg full of reptilians and women menstruating because the moon is full of lizards Uh, and
0: uh, apparently spoiler alert. He's not a very good person. Yeah. And he's probably wrong about all this stuff. Just like David. Probably.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, 99.9% sure he's wrong. (laughs) can never be a
0: hundred percent sure. That's fair.
1: Uh, he and David Ike spoke for six hours and somebody filmed it and somehow Rob came in to be in possession of this and told us about this last week. And, uh, I and I, I'm going to speak for Sam became uh, a little irritated with Rob that he had waited so long to bring us this to our attention, and then he said that he had never actually, never actually watched it himself. So we asked him to please watch it and live tweet his viewing of it for us, which he did today on Twitter, and it is glorious. So go. We retweeted him, but uh, it's at your UFO guy, or you can just go to our page at What If Pod and. Uh, Take just take a gander, right? You want to hit any of the highlights real quick? I think um, do you have it pulled up.
0: Yeah, I do. I'd I'd be more than I'd be more than happy to hit a couple early highlights. Uh Rob, I hope Rob Christopherson. I hope you're cool with this. Uh, Rob's Rob's new show that he's working hope you're on. Cool with us reading your full name before we ask if you're cool with this? <laughs> I meant more like reading your Twitter feed on a podcast that has Robert Jonathan Christopherson, three twenty four
1: Millbrook Lane. I hope you're cool with this.
0: That's not Rob's middle name or address. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Rob's new show is called uh, Our Strange Skies and if you want to be the first To, to catch that it's at Our Strange Skies So Rob watching this interview Mutua just said some creatures In Star Wars are real and that is <laughs> what- <laughs> And and, <laughs> and he also included A very awesome picture uh, Wait which ones you can't just uh, say that What do you mean? Which, which, which Star Wars characters Are real you can't just say some uh, of them are real I, I don't know but Rob included a picture of Darth <laughs> Maul <laughs> With his tweet so Thanks for that Face paint is real. <laughs> <laughs> Some people wear face paint. Be warned.
1: All right, let's uh, let's dive into the show here, which if you couldn't tell from the title, is gonna be a two part episode this week. And uh, the second half will be coming out on Friday, probably early in the day. Friday. Tis, cause because we have something very special happening. Too much, too much, too much. Just a couple days from now, which is the return of Stranger Things.
0: I wish you had the the intro music queued up right now to just drop Shh. into. I'll put something in there.
1: Um, Most of it was made up. Oh, it's not in here anymore. I have the keyboard that most of that soundtrack was made on, yeah. so I'll, I'll make something and throw it in there and post. I hope you're listening yeah. to it. And it's, it's glorious. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, anyway, season,
1: season two comes out on Friday, the 27th of October, 2017. Uh-huh. And I thought in in honor of that, we would take a look at some of the the legends and stories and maybe real things that inspired... The stories of Stranger Things.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. Spencer and I. I think we both mainlined of the show the first, like when it came out. I rewatched it over the weekend. Did you rewatch the yeah. whole thing? Yeah.
1: Oh man, it's I watched... eight hours.
0: It's not that bad. No, but I mean, no. It's it's just a it, it was a haul like the first time. I mean, I think I think me and my girl literally watched it like in a day. We just sat yeah. down and we were like yeah. couch day. That's what, that's what I'm doing through. on Friday for y- sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Um... But yeah, man, I I haven't rewatched it since I got all I got all rejogged on the plot I, to make sure I was like ready. I was like, oh yeah, that person. Oh I, yeah, that. Day. I finished it okay. last night, so I'm I'm pretty fresh. Yeah,
1: you are. Uh, um, but it was it was originally titled and was sold to Netflix under the title Montauk, and it was supposed to be set in Montauk originally. Yeah. So for those of you that are not familiar with Montauk, it's uh the, basically the furthest point east on Long Island. It's about 120. 110, 120 miles east of Manhattan. Right. And it was supposed to be set in this little 3,000-person coastal old-timey town. And then just for logistical reasons, it made more sense not to film it way out in the furthest east point of our country. Right. And they ended up filming—I don't know where they actually filmed it, but it's set in Indiana. A lot of it was in uh, Atlanta. Oh yeah, Atlanta, that's right. Georgia. Yeah, because
0: they're filming season or they filmed season two there as well. Did they? Yeah, I know Georgia does their. Uh, they have like a thing for, um, like made in Georgia is get their some, tagline. Some kickbacks. They do you, a bunch of like tax credits stuff and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: If you don't know the show, go watch the show.
0: Yeah. Oh, if it's <laughs> if it's after Friday, also this
1: episode is not going to be any fun for you until you watch the show.
0: Yeah, we should clarify this. I mean, well, and if you, it, if, it will, but it, it will be fun if you want to know about the Montauk Project, because as we're going to talk about, but there's going to be so many references to the show,
1: and we'll also ruin the fun of the show for you if you haven't seen
0: it yet. Yes, yeah, spoilers, ahoy, hoy. And if you're listening
1: to this in the future after season two has come out, we haven't seen season two, so we can't ruin anything about it for you. Yes, that's true. We should we should also make that yeah. clarification. Tons of season one spoilers, no season two spoilers. Yep. Okay, Th- that's what you're in for. Yes. So many, many of the like the weirdest, creepiest, scariest parts of Stranger Things are actually based on "quote unquote" real stories. Yes, some more real than others. Yes, and the the name Montauk and the reason that they were going to originally film it and set it in Montauk, New York, is because of something called the Montauk Project.
0: Dun dun dun. <laughs>
1: so in Montauk, it's as I said, it's about three 300- hundred or 3,000 people live there. Um, It's a very old town, I guess you could call it, um, because as people from Europe and specifically England were coming to America, it is the furthest east point. It is where you would arrive first if you were coming across the ocean. And so it's been inhabited like consistently since at least the early 1600s. That's a long time in the 1940s during world war two, I think it was 1942.
0: (laughs) I just had, I'm sorry. I just had this, like this vision of what if my entire role on the podcast was just to say like really benign and like fucking stupid things. You're like since 1600, I'm just like, that's a long time. Like I you realized ever, how dumb my commentary was in the middle of me thinking that thought. I was like, "Shut the fuck up, dude!" Yeah, that's ever, a long time. Whatever.
1: You ever listened to uh, S Town? Yeah, yeah. You know when they're interviewing the dude and his like uncle or whoever?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs>
1: He's just in shouting the in the background. Fucking right he did. <laughs> Tell him, Jimmy. Oh.
0: Uh, like, so strange. <laughs> you you just became that guy. <laughs> so Stranger Things was originally sold at Montauk.
1: Oh, interesting. <laughs> Tell in him, that, Spencer. in not that neat? Let him know. You're just my podcast hype man now. <laughs> yeah, Montauk. Get him. Uh. <laughs> Woo.
0: Anyway. Uh, dude, I'm going to freak you the fuck out when I do that, like 25 minutes from now in the middle of nowhere. All right, sorry, keep 1942,
1: going. 1942, in the middle of World War II, an Air Force base was built at Montauk called Camp Hero Air Force Base. Tight. <laughs> Thanks. I've heard of the Air Force. It sounds cool. cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was named after Major General Andrew Hero Jr., who was the Army's (laughs) commander of coastal artillery.
1: Having the last name Hero is so strong, but then you're Jr. and it's just they cancel out. They perfectly cancel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're like, I'm here to ah fuck. (sighs) Can't do anything. My dad did it already. You got a short little cape, you little. You little wiener. (laughs) But you try hard. (laughs) Attaboy, you just get head-patted everywhere you go, even though you're a colonel. So where things get weird are
1: there, there are all these alleged series of creepy, horrible experiments that were allegedly carried out at Camp Hero. Um, Allegedly between 1971 and
0: 1983. This is another episode where we should just say allegedly is like... The quotation marks around literally everything we're about I to just, say.
1: It, we're going to get into some like slightly darker territory than we than we usually do on the show. But we promise we'll make jokes about and, it. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that we're like, and I'm I'm going to try my best not to openly disparage people who I think are full of shit. <laughs> so I'm going to put allegedly a bunch at the beginning because I'll forget it and just start roasting people later. <laughs> so there it is.
0: I like it. Um, we roast people anyway on the show between nineteen
1: seventy one and nineteen eighty three There was supposedly a secret government operation going on at the base that was called Project montauk and the alleged reason for these experiments was to develop psychological warfare techniques and other exotic types of research that maybe included time travel
0: mm. travel in time.
1: <laughs> 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 Moving around in dimensions. Some of the activity apparently. If this is your first time listening to the show. I promise that's not it's, usually. It's hard. always this bad. Some of the activity from the base spilled out into the town at Montauk as well, and uh, people reported it snowing in the middle of August. Oh, that's crazy! I people, never heard that before. people reported hurricane force winds that came out of nowhere. Couldn't have been because you're the closest thing to, to the ocean. <laughs> Wow. Thunderstorms, lightning, and hail were reported uh, when there weren't storms going on. Um, there were lots of unusual stories about animals acting weirdly. Okay. Like a big pack of animals would kind of just wander into town and then appear confused and <laughs> hang out for a while and then wander away.
0: Kyle was just like, hey, Dave, what the fuck are we doing? There was here also anyway.
1: a story of a uh, a pack of deer that sprinted through the town and they were so uh frantic that they were like diving through car windows and into establishments and stuff and just whoa yeah so as if they were like there was like a stampede of deer
0: going through the town
1: it's like lion king yeah basically
0: is that your only reference for a stampede it was my first one for sure (laughs) not my only one but definitely my first one (laughs) name me another stampede reference
1: well, I mean, stampedes happen
0: all the time, but they're just not, not Do you documented have good in Disney. a pop movies. culture one outside of the Stampede no, in The Stampede Lion King? is not a very pop culture event, Ryan. That's why I pulled the Lion King reference. <laughs> Thank
1: you. You're, You're welcome. You're contributing a lot so far tonight. I'm I appreciate killing you. it. I bro. appreciate you. All this information, or the majority of this information, is coming from a man named Preston Nichols, who wrote a book in 1982 uh, called The Montauk Project.
0: Experiments in Time.
1: Thank you. I had to scroll down a little bit there. And I read that book in full. You can find it on the internet. I didn't know you read it in full. I did. I thought you were going to read excerpts. Nope. Read the whole thing. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. You can, you can find a PDF of it on the internet if you Google, or I'll, I'll link to it. But also, uh, it's the Montauk Project Experiments in Time PDF is your Google search. You'll find it. And so most of this information comes from him and from this book, which he says in the first chapter may or may not be true. So just keep that in mind for the rest of the episode.
0: That's where we're starting from. He
1: he suggests that it is equally interesting whether or not it is true, which to me says, Preston, you are making this up.
0: Yeah. But I'm lying to you, but I'd rather have you think that I'm not lying to you in case. Because it sells more books that way.
1: No doubt, no doubt. According to Nichols and a couple other men who we'll talk about in a moment, there were more than one hundred thousand people, mostly young men, who were involved in these human experiments. And he At he alleges Campiro. between seventy-one and eighty-three. Got it. He alleges that the majority of these young men were kidnapped and held captive uh and subjected to these experiments. Which We kind of have our first parallel to Stranger Things in that the character of Eleven is not allowed to leave the Department of Energy, quote unquote, building. Right. Uh, She is a human subject for a wide range of experiments that we'll get into as we go on here. Yep, yep. Yeah, he claims that there were over 100,000 people there throughout the 12 years. He claimed that there was a portal that allowed one to travel throughout space and time. So again, the, the upside-down portal in the basement of the of the, the
0: Stargate.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, and he also said that there was a device that allowed psychics to physically manifest objects from their minds. It's like a laser printer from your brain. Yeah. So he he describes a like a helmet or a set of electrodes that you would wear, right? connected to a computer, and then if you thought about something, focused on something, it would actually then come
0: into existence. Yeah, yeah. Which is also, like, I would imagine in line with general kinesthetics, like moving shit with your brain and shit like that. A a few steps beyond that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lastly, he claims that— I guess I was just—sorry, I was just drawing that parallel because Eleven can, like, move shit with their brain and stop shit with their brain and, like— Flip show. fans over and kill cats, but she doesn't want
1: to. But Yo, she's the- fine killing like thirty people in the course of that show. <laughs> Them, I was trying to last night. I was trying to figure out L's body count on that show. It's got to be in the hundreds, right? Well, or over a hundred. I, I was I was saying like based on what they actually show you. So they, they she kills two guys when she was still at the, whatever that building is called,
0: the Energy Department of
1: Energy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they don't have another name for it though. I don't think so. Okay, so she killed at least two people there. No cats. No cats. You got to figure at least 2 people died when she flipped that van over. Oh yeah. She kills several people at the in the last episode in the school by making their brains explode and bleed out through their eyes. Such a great scene. Uh she kills one demigorgon.
0: <laughs> Not a people, but you know, well, a demigorgon. We don't
1: really know what that guy is. That's real. It's got to be like at least ten that they show you, right? Yeah, I I think I'm forgetting a few.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess I envisioned like the first time she killed dudes trying to escape was not her first time killing dudes. Well, right, right, right. Yeah, if you want to speculate about this fictional TV show, (laughs) yes, I
1: do. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so Preston Nichols said that a a lot of this technology that they were using came from the gray aliens. Obviously, they had some sort of arrangement. Obviously, of course, to trade technology with the government. In addition to Preston Nichols. Some of this information comes from a man named Al Bielek and a man named Stuart Swardlow, who you watched part of the movie, The Montauk Chronicles, right? I did. Those are the three guys. If you watch that film, I wouldn't recommend it.
0: <laughs> it is. I wouldn't recommend it. Some yeah. of the
1: information is interesting, interesting if you're into this sort of stuff. It is one of the worst made films I think I've ever seen.
0: It's, um, it's, it's... Pretty ridiculous is, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, is what it is.
1: Like If you had to present a film to graduate from art school and you got like a C-minus on it and they just kind of passed you so that you wouldn't come back to their classes, is that, but it's about Montauk. <laughs> Preston Nichols, Al Bielek, and Stuart Swordlow are the three men featured in this film, and they are where 99% of the information about these stories comes from.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much the whole... The whole the whole all of the uh all of the first person research on this topic in that film is presented by those
1: people. I'm just saying outside of the film, even just in general, the vast majority of the information about all this stuff is coming from like one to three guys. So Preston Nichols wrote this book in eighty two. Yep. He claims to have this information because he worked at Montauk Project for the Majority of that time, he claims to have worked with Al Bielek and Stuart swardlow as they were two of these young men who had been
0: kidnapped, basically, and were working at the at,
1: as test subjects at the at Montauk.
0: Yeah, for what it's worth, they they claim that a lot of the people who were abducted were like vagrants or homeless people or people without families foster kids like people who would be uh unmissed if you will in this in that sense though i think
1: stranger things got the number down way better than the actual story so like sure 11 is supposedly number 11 out of these year. kids. yeah there are more test subjects at right. least 11 maybe more right Stuart Swerdlow, who claims to have been one of these test subjects, says that there were 300,000 of them. And that less than 1% of that 300,000 survived. So the government just murdered 300,000 children in in Montauk, New York? Well, he said some of them got lost in time because they were time traveling and didn't come back.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) bummer. But, oops, (laughs)
1: 300,000. People disappeared in a town of three thousand. I have so many questions. Where where are all those people coming from? They're like shipping them in from the world, <laughs> right? I don't know. Like you, you're just you're pulling. You know. I mean, five percent of New York City's population <laughs> is just gone and yes. coming out to to the tip of Long Island. Yep. And then you're housing three hundred thousand people somewhere. And or, then you're or you're moving through a lot of volume in a short period of time. And you know, then you're only wh- housing like ten. And then what, what the are you time. doing with three hundred thousand dead people? You just toss them
0: in the ocean and no one ever notices? You just throw them in the portal, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's one really big bummer destination. If you step through that portal, you're like, Oh, here's all the dead kids. Demogorgon's just really hungry.
1: <laughs> and then nationally, it's estimated that about ninety thousand people are missing in the United States at any given time. So they're saying three times the total number, more than three times the total number of all missing people in, in the United States were, were at Montauk. In the Montauk Project. Yep. And all of them except 1% died. And less than 1% of that 1% turned out sane. And of course, Stuart Swordlow is one of them because <laughs> God bless that crazy son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> this
1: is how you know it's real, guys. Yeah. This is the part where I start getting angry about how shitty a person Stuart
0: Swordlow is. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I'll keep making jokes even when Spencer gets angry. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this, this,
1: yeah, fuck him And <laughs> yeah, what he said <laughs> Stu seems like a dick <laughs> I'll
0: just keep showing you this picture Of dude in a polo shirt In between a gray alien <laughs> and a you. reptile you. And you'll be like oh yeah
1: that's who he is So Swerdlow claims He was abducted out of his house By gray aliens on a nightly Basis for several years And that's how he got initiated into the, the Montauk project Oh, wait, okay. Yep. He yeah. later learned that the gray aliens were either working with the government or were government agents disguised as gray aliens. So that it was like an abductee. Uh, right. They oh. they staged an alien abduction. God. I'm really it. hoping season two of Stranger Things gets into some alien and time travel stuff.
0: Yeah, it's I don't totally know. on the table. It, it is on the table. I, I kind of doubt it. But they've also said it it's
1: gonna. I, I was reading a lot of speculation and like interviews with some of the actors and writers and stuff, and they were saying that it's gonna get weirder and darker in season two. They're gonna kind of lean into
0: like the the weird shit, almost horror angle of it. Season one was definitely like pretty dark at points. Like yeah. I was definitely like, ooh, goddamn. Yeah. I suppose maybe that's the reason for the Halloween weekend releases. Like, and it's set around Halloween freaky. too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Was the the first season wasn't set around Halloween? Was it, it was like November or something. Yeah, but season two Because it is. ends at Christmas. They're All eating Christmas right. dinner. right?
1: And he and goes and barrows up the slug in the kitchen. And that was supposed to bathroom. be a month after it killed. So, yeah, it was like, it was set in November. November, December, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he, Swordlow got initiated into the Montauk project because he got abducted out of his house by maybe aliens, maybe not aliens. Cool. Nice job. B-Lex's story is actually crazier. And it brings us back to a topic we covered previously on this on this show, which is the Philadelphia Experiment.
0: Ayo, Do you Shout out to the Not Alone guys. Remember when we did
1: that episode and I was talking about the two guys who jumped off of the ship while it was traveling?
0: And went through an interdimensional portal and wound up in a weird world and then came back later. They ended
1: up at Montauk is the story. So the the quick recap, Philadelphia Experiment. Was, this is all, again, super alleged, and all this information comes from, like, one guy, and it's probably not true. And if you want to know more about it,
0: uh, we did a crossover episode with the Not Alone guys. It was our episode, like, 40-ish. Yeah. I don't know what it was. We did a whole hour and a half on this, but here's the cliff
1: notes. In the 40s, in a Navy shipyard in Philadelphia, the Navy was experimenting with uh, techniques to cloak uh, a ship. And in the process, accidentally made the ship physically disappear. And it maybe time and dimensionally traveled to another location and back. And some of the guys that were on the ship were uh, either disappeared or became fused with the ship during this process. Or some of them went insane. (laughs) Some of them sort of just blinked out of our reality. And during that story, there were allegedly two men who jumped off the side of the ship while it was traveling through space and time. According to Al Bilek, those two men were him and his brother, Duncan. They ended up when they jumped off the ship at Montauk in the eighties. This gets confusing because Al Bilek is also named Ed Cameron. And his brother Duncan Cameron is the man who came with him. So they ended up at Montauk because they fell through some portal when they jumped off of the, the ship in the Philadelphia Navy shipyard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got kind of our four main dudes are Preston Nichols, who worked there and is telling all of these stories for the most part, Al Bielek, who's also known as Ed Cameron, Duncan Cameron, who is his brother. And Stuart Swerdlow, who was abducted as a child and brought into this program.
0: The cast is set.
1: Yes. There was also a movie in 1984 called The Philadelphia Experiment, which was basically the story that I just told with some embellishments here and there. Right. Um, If you want to poke holes in all of this, it's not hard, but here's your best opportunity to do so. <laughs> Al Bielek didn't come forward with any of this until after he saw the 1984 movie about the Philadelphia Experiment.
0: It just jogged his memory, bro. That's all. That was is like, oh that's, yeah.
1: That's literally his story. Is that? No, it's not. Yes, his story is that he watched this film and he was like, oh yeah, that was me. <sighs> <laughs> that's all I have. Yeah. I, just have I mean that side. That's all I have. So, after undergoing hypnosis, of course, he was able to uncover repressed memories of having worked at the Montauk Project in the 70s and 80s. He also determined that these memories had been locked away in order to keep the experiment secret. Because, again, according to these four gentlemen, one of the things that was happening at the, at the Montauk Project was a lot of, uh, they call it programming, but... Uh, basically psychological torture yeah in order to they again they said to install this new these new personalities or this new programming right sort of along the lines of like the Manchurian candidate uh idea where they can kind of create this new section of your personality right that can be accessed or uh, initiated through a certain series of code words or
0: some sort of Series of steps. And can overtake your entire personality.
1: Right. So you could become this super soldier assassin person and then right. go back to your regular life and not even know that you had done it because you're totally dissociated from that part of your personality.
0: Yeah. And not to get, like, too dark too quick, but, like, they talk about in the Montauk Chronicles documentary a lot uh, the, the idea that, like physical and psychological abuse is designed and like torture is designed to break a human down to the point where they do fracture to disassociate from torment.
1: Which is will. like
0: the most realistic part of that whole film. Yeah. That, that is, that, that is in fact like a thing that can happen. Yeah. I mean, or at least, I, I mean, I don't know, but it
1: seems more plausible than anything else they talk about. Um, but Yeah. Al Bielek claims that after all of these memories <laughs> came back to him, he remembered that he wasn't in fact Al Bielek. He was Ed Cameron. And he had worked on the Philadelphia experiment with his brother, Duncan Cameron, when they were both in their twenties, they were the two men that jumped off the ship during the experiment. And they claimed, he claims that they landed in Montauk in 1983. The military then promptly sent the two of them back through the wormhole on a mission to destroy the equipment aboard the uh, what was it, the USS Eldridge, the ship that they were using in the Philadelphia yes. experiment. Yep. So they jump off the ship. They end up in in Montauk, New York, forty years in the future. Some guys send them back through this wormhole that they've created to destroy the equipment aboard the Eldridge to cut off this wormhole situation and return that ship back to its normal physical state.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: Al slash Ed Cameron presented all of this at a MUFON conference in 1990, which is where this story picked up more steam after Preston Nichols' book in 82, 83, and uh, the Philadelphia Experiment movie in 84. So again, it seems like he read this book and saw this movie and tied the two together and said, how can I go get speaking?
0: Hey, me too!
1: How can I go get paid to speak about this thing I've made up? Yeah. There are some obvious holes in this <laughs> again, like Al, how come you're 57 years old? You should be like more, either more, or a lot more or a lot less than that. Well, what you don't understand
0: about interdimensional time travel, son.
1: Well, he actually, that would have been a better answer than he came up with. He <laughs> described how after he completed his Montauk slash Philadelphia missions, he had been de-aged by the government.
0: I was literally gonna make a joke like, <laughs> oh, was he rewarded with being younger by the government for successfully completing his thing? He sure and was. you literally he just sure confirmed was. my fucking joke story <laughs> of this dude's what an asshole. <laughs>
1: God. So he said he'd been de-aged and they wiped his memory and he had been forced to live the rest of his life as this Al Bielek character.
0: You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna go rewatch the movie Gladiator. And then I'm going to go on the internet tomorrow and be like, oh yeah, I don't know. This movie's about me. <laughs> no, you guys, I'm a Roman soldier. And then wronged.
1: I'll, ri- I'll write a book about you
0: and then it will
1: prove that you're right.
0: And then can I go around to like, can I go around to conferences and be like, you guys, do you want to know more about uh, Roman like pit fighting? Because yes, that's who I am. Yo, we should, I mean, <laughs> I love
1: MUFON and at the same time, like. They're, they do... Some wild shit. Yeah, which then discredits any real work that they do. Right. And it's frustrating. But I bet we could just try and pitch them the wildest story slash presentation possible. See how far it goes. We should, we should crowdsource the writing of this presentation from our... <laughs> From our social media. From our fans. And uh, see if we can get us uh, a speaking engagement at an upcoming MUFON conference.
0: I feel like the biggest hole in this plan is that we just recited it in front of thousands (laughs) of people on this podcast. (laughs) That was only for you guys. Don't tell on us. You guys, we got a plan. Help us write this
1: PowerPoint. (laughs) Oh, man. He then, uh, Al then went on to explain how in the early 60s, he, when he was still Edward Cameron convinced his father to have another child so that they could teleport Duncan, his brother's consciousness from 1983, into the brain and person of his 1963 brother.
0: No claim too big for no. this I'll be. Like. I mean, fuck with him, he's grown now. <laughs> also, I'm God, and you're all my minions. How about um, that?
1: Unfortunately, some of the experiments he was subjected to in the 80s caused him to begin aging rapidly and he died in 2012
0: oh <laughs> man well also in the, now we can't now we know he can't sue us for libel or slander true true just maybe kidding. his relatives can though i hey, don't know how that works hey, i'm not just a lawyer. kidding. this show is all satire parody and all things covered probably under, fictional
1: at this point and also <laughs> fictional so did you watch the the film where he was talking about he like in uh, sorry in the Montauk Chronicles. Did you see the first interview with him in that?
0: No, I okay. saw like I saw clips of okay. his interviews, but he, I was uh, skipping around. I ponied up the five dollars, and Ooh. you're welcome, director guy. He, uh, <laughs> you, you can't sue us because we don't have any money. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Take some of this debt, my guy. He, Al uh, like his first
1: opportunity to be on screen starts talking about how we don't know how humans got here. And how evolution is a sham.
0: (laughs) Nice. Good start. Good start. Good, good groundwork. You know what? I'm with you, Al. Tell them. Tell the people how that's fake. Yeah. (laughs) Who are we anyway?
1: (laughs) Al's got it. I'm not a monkey. Let's listen to the guy who
0: traveled (laughs) through a portal. He knows.
1: Okay. So that's, uh, that's where we're at with Preston and Al. Yep. Preston claims to have worked at Montauk with Al slash Ed and his brother Duncan. Duncan didn't get a cool rename though. I don't know why. What that's all about? That's He's not just fair. Duncan Cameron, which that's is a fair. solid name. It sounds like a '90s teen heartthrob. One hundred thousand percent. During the '70s, he worked with with uh, specifically with Duncan on something called the Montauk Chair, which is a per- piece of furniture gifted to us by the aliens.
0: Thank you aliens.
1: That used electromagnetics because it's always electromagnetics cuz no one understands how it works. No one's really
0: us what that well, means. Well, again, in
1: Stranger Things the building was putting out a strong electromagnetic signal and that's as far as they got into the science.
0: Oh,
1: maybe mm-hmm. there's a Demogorgon in there. Well, it was used to amplify psychic powers. Aha. Uh-huh. So, Duncan was sort of psychic, but then when he put on this cool hat, he became super psychic. Tight. He became the focus of most of these Montauk chair experiments. And he could, as we said earlier, just start manifesting objects by thinking
0: about them. One of the ex- gold, 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 mm. gold, 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 more gold. Onions, more Onions. gold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Bigger bars of gold,
0: bigger bars of
1: gold. A house, was- <laughs> a house that isn't this place. A key to these locks. A rocket to get inside of and get me the fuck out of here. Fuck you guys. <laughs> One negative Preston Nichols. <laughs> he, uh, he describes some... You're all dead. You're all dead. You're all dead. <laughs> he describes some very remote viewing sounding experiments
0: too. Oh, that's interesting. Which,
1: if you're not familiar with remote viewing, it's basically what Eleven does when she's trying to listen to what the Russian man is saying. Yeah. She does some, uh, or when she's trying to describe uh, a setting and when the Dr. Brenner says, we're going further than we've ever gone. And she's trying to get information from around the world and from the Russians and places that she can't see or hear. Right, right, right. So basically, you're, the way it is supposed to work is that you're given a set of coordinates and by focusing on those coordinates, you can psychically gain information about what's happening at that location. In real time. Yep. So you could, for spying purposes, just be observing what's going on inside the Kremlin or something. Sure. While you're sitting in a basement in Long Island. Valuable, valuable. So in in Preston Nichols' book, he describes what Duncan was doing as uh, the first experiment, which is called the seeing eye. And I'm just going to read directly from the book. With a lock of, of a person's hair or other appropriate object in his hand... Duncan could concentrate on the person and be able to see as if he was seeing through their eyes, he- hearing through their ears, and feeling through their body. He could actually see through other people anywhere on the planet. In a weird way, this is one of the more legitimate parts of this story to me, because we have, <laughs> well, we have proof that our government was trying to, or at least interested in, remote viewing at,
0: for a long time. And depending on when, do you know when that quote came from or when the actual, like, time of that was said? He doesn't date it,
1: but he says that all the stuff he talks about happened between 71 and 83. Because 71 and 83? Yeah. Within that range, he doesn't usually give specific dates, though.
0: I can't fathom why not. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But we would have potentially... Not had any. Well, no, we not not potentially. We wouldn't have any idea. We wouldn't have had any idea about MK Ultra at that time, right? When did that stuff come out? Well, we're gonna get to MK Ultra later, but Uh-oh! we're gonna spend a lot of time with MK Ultra in a bit. Let's go. Um.
1: Well, wasn't Stargate was the oh Stargate was the remote viewing yep, project. Right. Yep, you're right.
0: You're right. You're right. You're
1: right. Stargate ran. Let's see. Most of this stuff came up because of the Cold War. Basically, we were trying to spy on the Russians. True. Uh Stargate ran from
0: seventy-eight to eighty seven. Okay. So so for this to have happened during that time would match with Stargate. If if we're taking yeah. if we're yeah. taking Well, this... it may not have been public knowledge though. I don't know when that stuff was declassified and whatnot. Right, but that's what I mean. Is like it would have overlapped, but the timing of Stargate oh, right, right, right. may not have overlapped with when pu- it was publicly uh, known no, almost that certainly Stargate not. was a yeah, thing. Yeah, so right, again, well, like, it
1: seems, yeah, it's it's more credible. See,
0: guys, we give people credit
1: when we should. <laughs> it, it sounds crazy, but it's actually one of the more plausible parts of this story because we know for a fact if you go, we've talked about on the show before, but there, there are CIA documents that you can find freely on the internet that... Uh, their transcripts of remote viewing sessions, yeah, man, uh, and remote viewing sessions of structures on Mars, Ew. harking back to our last episode, and Ew. and all all kinds of stuff. So we know for a fact that they were attempting these things. It's a much bigger leap to say that they worked they and were succeeding doing these things by any official record. These projects were shut down because they never produced anything tangible right. Right. Um, or any. Usable information But we know that it was at least Being attempted They're going to take it a step further And No Yeah Preston (laughs) Preston Nichols Claims that They actually Traveled to Mars Through this program Nice So He claims that by Towards the end of the Montauk project There was a permanent Portal In underground at Camp Hero slash Montauk, yeah. Which that is one part that I think Stranger Things directly lifted from these stories. Yeah, yeah. That you have like a secret underground base with a portal to another dimension that is open at all times.
0: Do you want to? I gotta. I gotta pop in with one really uh, a quick Hollywood fact that interested yeah, yeah, yeah. me a lot about Stranger Things. Give me with it. I okay. So I was looking for more info about them crediting. Cause I think you're right. I should say, I think you're right. It was very that is a very specific and directly lifted detail from these descriptions, et cetera. But I found an article in uh in the Hollywood Reporter, which is one of like LA's yep. bigger, you know, whatever fucking industry thing that reports about Hollywood. Industry mags, yeah. Um, and 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 the reporter asked them. Stranger Things was originally sold as Montauk. Wait, asking Duffer Brothers? In the Duffer this case? Brothers. Sorry, I didn't say that. Yeah, uh, Matt and Ross Duffer are the guys that creators uh, of Stranger Things. The creators and the writers and they directed Sometimes it. Sometimes directors, yeah. Yep. Uh, they said, Montau- uh, excuse me, Stranger Things was originally sold as Montauk with that as a location. What was the thought process of changing it to Middle America? And Matt said, it was more practical than anything. We liked Montauk because we liked the coastal setting. And Montauk was the basis for Amity, and Jaws is probably our favorite movie. So I thought that would be really cool, and then it was going to be impossible to shoot a wrong island in the uh, shoot, in or around Long Island in the winter time, just miserable and expensive. So we so we wound up in Atlanta. Blah 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 blah. But they don't, at any point in any of their interviews, actually go. Have you all heard of the Montauk Project? These dudes wrote these crazy books. And we lifted yeah. a bunch of details from their crazy well, books to make you, a crazy TV show. If you did lift those details, would you mention it, though? Exactly. And that's what I think it is, is they, like, they... I don't know that Nichols those... Nichols is still alive. Is he getting, is he getting Stranger Hell Things no. money? Hell no. And that's the thing, is I don't think he is getting Stranger Things money. And I think these dudes legitimately took this whole story that they created and lifted details. To
1: be fair, it's, it's, it's a few specific <laughs> things... But those few specific things also shape bigger chunks of the show,
0: right? And and, and I, also, I, don't, I mean,
1: I think the the writing is incredible because they they also lift like you could make the argument that they borrow very heavily from Spielberg too.
0: They do well conceptually. They do
1: right, and well, and
0: stylistically too. Yeah, but stop. But style things are not copyrightable. Story things are copyrightable. But here may be the catch: if Preston
1: Nichols is claiming that it's true, it's not copyrightable is it not if it's if they're factual events you're not taking his work he's saying this is something that actually happened it's not his creation according to him
0: yeah but like i couldn't just like go make a story like i couldn't just go make a movie about bill gates's life with all of the publicly information publicly available information i have could i why not and call it Bill Gates, and not, like, they didn't call it Preston Nichols's life story. They no, called true.
1: it, and they didn't even call it Montauk. At the end of the day, yeah, but I guess it's just like even when they're calling it Montauk, that's the name of a town. There was nothing directly tying it to any of those individual people.
0: I don't know. It's not not to those any any of those individual people, but there is evidence that Montauk Montauk Project and everything related to it. Is inside of the is inside of this show and inside of the book and inside of the title they originally pitched it as.
1: I wouldn't disagree with any of that. I don't think you could. I don't think you could prove in court that you stole any intellectual property, though. Is all oh, I'm saying. Oh
0: man, I don't know. It's interesting. It's you can, it, you it, can be influenced by things
1: without committing any sort of
0: underground what? portals, government agencies stealing kids, mind control, like come on, like, there's so many tropes that you can identify that are very obviously tied to it. I mean, we're yeah. literally doing an episode about the fact that Stranger Things is based on Modsock Project. But like, yeah,
1: sure. I mean, with, with a couple a couple specific things, but it's not like they lifted the, the overall arc of his story yeah, or any specific yeah. characters or dialogue or anything like that. I just
0: feel like you got to give a base on the book, blah, 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 or whatever, if you're going to take creative liberties with, like, the concept. No, the rest of it is, though.
1: It's, like, two things. That there was an underground
0: portal, Run by the government, That's and that a monster kids. came out of it. And, hostile stole kids and monsters and, you know, psychology, I don't know. All right. All right, man. I think there would be a weird Defend argument. Defend big business, bro. No, I Whatever. think there would be a tough
1: argument to be made because Nichols says that it's fact. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't make any specific reference to him or his story or anyone that was associated with his story. Right. So it would be like saying, you know, I'm making a movie about
0: the sinking of the Titanic. You don't need to pay the person who made the ship? I guess I guess the 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 reason you're talking about is also why there's all those movies on like Amazon and like Netflix and stuff where like what's the one that's on Amazon that's it's like the big green the lizard movie that's on Amazon. You like, have to narrow it down no, no, a little no. bit for it's me. It's like but. They, they do like a big green lizard, and it's just like a total rip off of Godzilla, except that it's like oh, not sure. called Godzilla, and it's like. Does
1: anyone own the rights to Godzilla at this point, either? Though I would have to imagine somebody does, but
0: yeah, I, whatever. But they but they don't call it that, and they just say a big lizard attacked the city, and we do like the same storyline. Can't copyright not. lizards. <laughs> <laughs> Credo or, won't have it, or can we? <laughs> Ask Credo mua Ask Credo mua um, dude, do we have to take a break, or are we not taking a break this episode? We're just nah, going we through? Need, we don't need breaks. All right, we're going through.
1: I got six chops. I don't
0: get tired. I don't get tired. So, back to the portal. Hey,
1: Preston claims that by 81 or so, there was a full-blown interdimensional portal just chilling somewhere underneath Camp Hero. And that they would send people through it constantly. Yep. They would give them coordinates and say... Here's where you're going, and it was some sort of weird astral projection that resulted in real travel to another place. Somebody better tell Elon Musk. Right. And Al Bielek and slash Ed Cameron and Duncan Cameron claimed to have traveled to Mars via this portal to collect some sort of ancient uh, artifacts. Cool. Which I also thought was interesting, given that Mars was a location used in remote viewing at least once. True. And that they True. reported seeing structures and artifacts. I know Mars has a you know, it's a planet close to us and it's part of our history as human beings. But kind of an an interesting parallel to me. No doubt. Stuart Swordlow says he went back in time and took a blood sample from Jesus. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> This has been off the rails. <laughs> Dude, this that, whole episode is going to be extremely off the rails. I'm sorry. There's no so way around it. That's
0: so much farther off the rails than I thought it was going to be. That's, that's crazier
1: than going to Mars and finding artifacts to you? Well, oh, yeah. Kind of.
0: A blood sample from
1: Jesus? This is time travel. If you can get to a specific day, you go poke them, and then you run away. I guess. Get, hop back in your portal.
0: I, I guess. I don't know why that's more ludicrous to me. Than, he's, like, to Jesus, he's like, eh, look over here. Got you. Got you, bitch. Thank
1: you for your blood. Back in my portal. He also says, this is Preston Nichols now, says, my personal view is that the pyramid on Mars, no, no preface, just of course there's a pyramid. The pyramid on Mars <laughs> serves as an antenna. Perhaps there is technology inside of the pyramid. According to Duncan's recollection, he traveled to the inside of the pyramid. He saw technology being operated there, which he called the Solar System Defense. According to his account, the Montauk researchers wanted this shut off. It had to be shut off before anything else could be done. It also had to be shut off retroactive to 1943, which is commonly considered amongst many UFO buffs to be the beginning of the massive UFO phenomena. So they're also responsible for all UFOs now.
0: Boy. they it- they went big. I mean, what is what's the saying? Like, the bigger the lie, the better the book. The better the book, <laughs> the easier to believe. The the, Man. the better the, the Belik.
1: Wow. Well,
0: I mean, yeah. So the they didn't even they didn't even try to go like they didn't even try to keep it within remotely within the bounds of what people would generally accept. No,
1: the the other I think direct lift. In terms of Stranger Things, pulling from the whole Montauk Project concept. yeah, Is that of the the Demogorgon in the show. This big person-eating monster that comes through a portal and then can't be contained.
0: Yeah,
1: Demogorgon. And and has to be destroyed by someone with super
0: psychic powers. Yeah. In a pool. Huh? No, she destroyed it in the school. Well, she started in a pool. No, she didn't. She was in a pool in the school. That was to find Will. That's true. She wasn't doing any destroying from there. No.
1: She just went up and, like, you know, did a little force choke thing on the Demogorgon and this beard <laughs> Force choke. So the Montauk chair, which we talked about earlier, where Duncan Cameron could sit on it and think about stuff and it would manifest, uh, he and Preston Nichols one day decided that they would use it to sabotage and end the Montauk project because they thought that they were getting irresponsible and power drunk and doing... Bad things to the world.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And
1: it totally wasn't just Preston Nichols trying to paint himself as the good guy in this made up nope, story.
0: Absolutely not.
1: So their their plan to do this was that one day when Duncan Cameron was was working in the in the Montauk chair, they had some sort of code word and Pineapples. It was something really stupid. He actually says it. Let me see if I can find oh, it. Oh, that's terrific. He just said, now's the time. That's the worst. Worst code that's not a code, bro.
0: Now's the time. You mean like now? Now is the time.
1: You mean like right now? He's he's winking at him from across the room. Did I miss it? Was it back then? Wait, there's a moment, not now. Mm, Oh, it passed. Oh, Hmm. now is no longer the time. So, when they had this beautiful system of codes worked out, uh he was going to manifest a monster out of his mind to wreak havoc on the Montauk Project bases. And they would be forced to shut the program down because there was this crazy monster running around eating everybody. So the Demogorgon was originally designed... Here's the best part. The Demogorgon was originally an interdimensional Bigfoot. No way. Yeah, way. So I'm... (laughs) Directly from Preston Nichols again in the Montauk experiment, whatever in time, some bullshit in time or whatever he called it. Bullshit in time is the best book.
0: (laughs) It's going to be the name of our biography. (laughs) Bullshit in time.
1: At this moment, he let loose a monster from his subconscious and the transmitter actually portrayed a hairy monster. Mm -hmm. It was big, hairy, hungry, and nasty. You don't say. But it didn't appear in the null point, which I think is what he's saying... Like, it didn't appear next to the computer where shit usually showed up when Duncan thought about it. Uh huh. It showed up somewhere else on the base. It started eating anything it could find, and it smashed everything in sight. It was either 9 feet tall or 30 feet tall, depending on who saw it. I personally believe it was between 9 and 10 feet in height. Several different people saw it, but almost everyone described a different beast.
0: That's interesting. It's like that... uh... It's like that Harry Potter thing where you see, like, what you see is your fear and it changes shape based on, like, what you think it is psychologically. Uh, Dementors. Uh, no, not the Dementors. Snake. I don't know anything about Harry Potter. Ah, oh, man. it was, uh, it was like a- You're a wizard, Harry. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Are you really that bad at Harry Potter? <laughs> I never, I never read any of them. Oh, man, they're fun books. You should do it. But yeah, but like, uh, that's, that's kind of a cool, fun concept that it- that depending on your psyche and your approach, it changes. There's
1: some element of that in Stranger Things too. Like when Nancy sees it the first time out in the woods and she's like, oh, it was like a a man, but didn't have a face, but it could have been a bear. And yeah. And there's, there's
0: like. It is very shape. It is portrayed as very shape shifty.
1: Yeah. Until it wants to eat people. And then it's got the big like flower no. face. Yeah. Yeah to get rid of the big interdimensional 30-foot-tall Bigfoot that was killing everybody.
0: You gotta feed it,
1: kids. No, Nichols just had to run around the base frantically smashing machines and unplugging stuff until eventually the monster disappeared. So, it was drawing psychic-slash-electromagnetic power from something, and he just went around arbitrarily breaking shit until the monster went away.
0: That's... that's, Somebody needs to, like... (laughs) Go nuts in their office and have that be their. <laughs> you guys, I manifested an interdimensional Bigfoot beast in the, the interme- office. Oh, interdimensional Bigfoot appears, and I had to spike all of your laptops <laughs> into the ground, or we would all be eaten and fucking die. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about your TPS reports, Karen. <laughs> but but Steve was, was going to get eaten. Steve was. <laughs> do you look? Steve does microwave fish every other day. But I don't want him to get eaten, Karen. So, <laughs> fucking deal, all right?
1: Just baseball bats on, <laughs> like, every piece of... I'm imagining Preston just getting to the end of this book and being, like, just writing himself into a corner, being like, ah,
0: oh, fuck,
1: 30-foot tall... Preston, 30-foot you- tall Bigfoot, what how- are you doing? How do we get out of this,
0: Preston? I don't uh-
1: know, break everything!
0: <laughs> yeah. and I, then it- I unplugged it, and I don't know. And then it was gone. I just unplugged shit. And then it was gone. Uh finally,
1: on August twelfth,
0: nineteen eighty three, uh huh.
1: The Montauk Air Force Base was sealed and abandoned. Oh, And today it's just a it's a nice little park. Yeah, it's a state
0: park, isn't it? It is. You and, can go visit. And you can't actually access uh the facility anymore. If you can hop a fence, you can. Yeah, but I heard that, like, the actual, like, all the entrances are sealed, and they've said it's due to, like, contaminated waste or something like that. Is that true? <sighs> a likely story. Likely story. Contaminated Bigfoots. Okay, yeah, right. Dead um, kids everywhere. <laughs> uh, you can't go in there because there's a bunch <laughs> of dead children. No, you literally can't. All the doors are just
1: filled with dead kids <laughs> yeah, and Bigfoot.
0: They won't even open anymore. 30 foot's it's, all Bigfoot. It's super bad. But, yeah, that's uh,
1: that's that's the Montauk half of the story. Yeah, in part two, I, there are as many, if not more, MK Ultra references, bum, 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 bum. which is a, are. which is a topic we've been meaning to talk about for quite some time. Anyway, no so doubt. I, no I'd doubt. like to in part two get into MK Ultra as a as a concept, but then also some of the the direct parallels with the show. For sure, yeah, dog.
0: Beauty, we're gonna do it. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, what if Stranger Things really happens? That's part one for you. Um. Thank you again to all our listeners, to everybody for listening. Uh, if this is your first time with us, check out whatifpodcast.com. We've got an archive of all of our old episodes. Uh, we've got uh, show notes, videos, pictures, all kinds of links and fun stuff in there. Um, also, uh, I guess we might as well say it. We're, we we're, this survey thing is dragging on longer than we wanted to, but just go to what if podcast dot com slash survey. I thought we were good. I think we're like two away or something like that. <laughs> Ass. Be our last two people. Okay. Ass! <laughs> Scream that directly Be- in the microphone. I'm sorry about your ears. <laughs> Be our last two people to, uh, to fill out the survey, go to what if podcast dot com uh, and just fill it out. Uh, we had somebody give us some feedback that were like, "Oh, you said it's uh, you said it's it's uh, it's anonymous, but you made me give you uh, my email address. And that's true, but we want to let you know that we do not get your email address. It's just to prove uh, that you have an email address when you submit it. You're not a robot, and you're not a robot. So we we won't uh we we don't get your email address. That isn't anywhere in some. Back... If we did,
1: we'd email you cool stuff anyway. Or, yeah,
0: yeah. You know. We'd send you we'd send you like cool uh cool pictures of weird stuff and jokes, uh like <laughs> popsicle <laughs> stick jokes and yeah. stuff. Um, and then lastly, if you want to send us a message, hi at whatifpodcast.com or hit us on all the socials at what if pod.
1: And we'll talk to you in like a few days or five minutes or whenever you listen to us next.
0: Love you guys. Hope you guys enjoy Stranger Things Season 2. We'll see you next time. It's lit. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast. Learn more at www.whatifpodcast.com.